Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome in to take command post-game edition. Logan Paulson there, Craig Hoffman here, and Logan, good news is we got a win to talk about. Heck yeah. Yeah, we do. Uh, the bad news, if there is bad news, is, wow, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. And we only got yeah. 30 minutes to do it. Good thing for you, uh, dear listener, dear viewer, uh, is that, of course, we will dive into the film later this week. But, Logan, first uh, thoughts, impressions on uh, what was a critical win to get back to 500? Yeah, critical win. I think it went about as we thought it was going to go, you know, like in the highest sense of the word. And what I mean by that is, like, Desmond Ritter was a guy that we didn't have a lot of confidence in. And we felt that if you put the ball in his hands and you forced him to beat you, he would make mistakes. And that's essentially what happened. I think, you know, offensively, you look at some of the stuff they did in the first half. I thought, wow, that's there's some really good stuff in there, right? Like the touchdown to Curtis, the touchdown to B-Rob, all really good stuff. Um, punt return, great job. Special teams showing up in a big way, kind of limiting that offensive yardage total. But, you know, like – got to get yardage and points any way you can. Right. So yeah, totally. that's I mean, part of it. Yeah. We'll take a 61 James yard, Jamison Crowder punt return any day of the week. Absolutely. And then um, I think the second half is where everything kind of shifts. Obviously the offense becomes more conservative, less effective. One of those things. And, um, and then the defense really has to kind of say, Hey, put it on our back and we'll win the game for you. And very rarely in the NFL, do you see something like that? And obviously usually it's a, it's kind of a amalgamation of different things that have that effect. And what I mean by that, it's the, um, you know, in this case, it's the, uh, the, the kind of the youth at the quarterback experience for the Atlanta Falcons, not being able to finish drives, things like that, but credit to the defense, man, they played well, they, they turned the football over and um, they played a physical high energy brand of football, which is something that we wanted. So not perfect. A lot of things to improve on, no doubt, but um, wins a win. And I think they earned this one in a way that, uh, was good to see so yeah it was very different than a lot of commanders games and it's kind of antithetical to i think how they draw it up most weeks but it absolutely works this week because for the first time when we've said hey make a quarterback beat you they were like desmond ritter we are going to make you beat us and he couldn't like you get down it's it's not that hard relatively speaking to move the ball between the 20s and the nfl it's just not and a lot of quarterbacks can do that and kind of give you this false hope that they've got it, whatever it is. It, I guess, in this case, being defined as enough to win, enough talent, good decision making, all of those things to win you games. 
between the twenties, but like eventually you got to make a play or on a, on a critical third or fourth down, you got to make a play. And Desmond Ritter's not good enough to do it, at least at this stage in his career, at least, and certainly consistently. And you think about when the interceptions come and it's those big plays red zone. How about Jack, you know, for all of the things that even we might criticize Jack for, uh, when you do give up 402 yards, um, when we review the tape, um, I thought he called some really good blitzes at times, yeah. um, you know, heats up Ritter and, and has Ritter throw the ball to St. Juice right in the end zone. Congrats to BSJ. That is his first career interception. And then, you know, at the end of the game, I'm going, Oh no, Bijan's one-on-one -on -one with Jamin in space. Bad, bad, good, good. Yes. Right. Go Jamin, his first career interception as well. So it just came down to the fact that while the Falcons absolutely dominated the stat sheet, they never had control of the game and the commanders made the key plays. And that is the exact opposite of how so many of their losses has been sure. where they have been very good consistently and they give up big plays, key plays. And that's how you lose. No, I think that's a hundred percent right. Felt very unusual in that way. <clears throat> also, I think, you know, you brought it up and I think it's a really good insight. Like Jack brought a little bit more pressure, obviously on the interception St. Juice has at the end, they're bringing a six man pressure, I believe, or it's a six man simulated. It might be five man, but they get Jamin as a free rusher to the quarterback. Great. It actually looked like for the first time in a long time that they were scheming up slides. They were scheming up protections a little bit and they got what they were looking for and made some plays, which was great. Um, obviously a more experienced quarterback probably just throws that sucker out the back of the end zone. I think Arthur Smith, you could read his lips on the sideline was calling for that. Um, so disappointing play by Ritter, but great job by Jack, you know, knowing you got a young quarterback in there, heating him up also on the Kendall Fuller interception, they're bringing heat, right? They're bringing, I don't want to say it's all out, but it's something close, maybe six man pressure. Uh, they get a free run of the quarterback. The ball has got to be out. Great job, Kendall Fuller, playing off. I know everybody freaks out about off coverage. This is why you play off coverage in man-to-man -man situations. you got eyes to the quarterback. The rush is getting home. When it times up effectively, it allows your corner to make a play on this. And B. Mitch pointed this out on the postgame show. Like When you have a corner who's breaking on an out, obviously the ball was bad by Ritter, but it hits him with both hands in the chest, like he made a pretty good break on the ball. And so understanding the down and distance, the situation, the blitz that was called, how the timing needs to be implemented – Great job, because he could have easily run it out and up there, right? But I think Fuller, in his mind and his heart, trusts the pressure and is able to make a play on the football. So I, I really – there were some really, really positive things. I thought the physicality of the defensive line is another thing that jumped out to me, you know, in terms of stopping the run. Like, I think they averaged under three and a half yards a carry. Yeah, so it was it was real low. Uh, three, yeah. seven. Uh, Robinson averaged two, eight. Yeah. Uh, Algier averaged three, nine on 13. Yeah, so for running backs, probably a little bit lower because I think the quarterback average probably bumps that up yeah, a little bit. Yeah, he uh, he had two for 18, so yeah. Yeah, so I think um, kudos to that group. They came out and played good football. Kalik Hudson makes an appearance, made some really How about, nice can plays. We, can we stop down on him for a second? Sure. Because he was awesome. Like, yeah. I don't know I don't know if he played more than eight snaps, but if he played eight snaps, he made plays on five of them. Yeah. And I was curious if you noticed what packages he was in on, uh, theories as to why and what that means moving forward if he's going to play football like that. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, uh, this that's one of the things that I like to reserve comment on until we watch the film. So Tuesday, sure. that'll be a better deep dive because um, like you're, you're watching a whole bunch of stuff. You're watching offensive formations. You're watching defensive coverage shell you know like who's in in the back end was something i was trying to pay attention to a lot and you just kind of forget the linebackers because usually there's not a lot of variation in that group so to get clique out there and to get him to play well like 
you know, it was great, man. It was, I think it just shows you kind of what we saw during training camp. He shows the sudden athlete, so, so, uh, shows the explosive explosiveness that he has. So uh, that's definitely something we can double click on um, as we get into uh, the film review. And I think there will be a lot of good stuff to talk about there. But he did a good game. I thought Cody showed up in some moments. Obviously, he has the personal foul, which isn't great uh, to extend that drive, roughing the passer on Desmond Ritter. Uh, but he was flashing the football. Uh, Jamin was being super physical. John Ridgeway being super physical. Casey Tuhill makes an appearance, right, with two sacks on the day. So great job for him. And I just think, like, this is kind of more what we were hoping for from the defense, a good defensive line rotation, good protection, good physicality, all that stuff. So lots of things to be excited about and um, still a lot of areas to improve on, no doubt. Um, but I think this is a good step in the right direction. And it's just about whether they can continue to build off of this, uh, you know, going into next week. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's just such a weird game to digest because I, I'm going to be honest, man. Like, I didn't realize how dominant the Falcons were. I actually didn't look at the stat sheet during the game. And so I just didn't realize how dominant they were statistically until later, until I started prepping for the show. Right. Because the commanders, and this is, this is like, Gold star Logan Paulson. Let's get this man a ribbon on best analysis of the week. What was it? What was your key to the game? Game, uh, flow. game flow. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Game flow. This game comes down to game flow. Like yeah. the commanders for, you know, and we should talk about the second half offensively and like kind of where things go sideways. But that first half, they are clicking. And the only thing that stops them is them. And, yeah. and that is some, you know, there's some consistency into how they're stopping themselves. And I do want to get into that. And uh, obviously we can touch on it here, double click on it Wednesday um, or Tuesday or whenever we do that show. Um, but they get up and like the, the, there's no way Arthur Smith ever wants to see Desmond Ritter throw the ball 40 times, nevertheless, nearly 50. And he's got 47 attempts in the game. Yeah. Like that's I, crazy. But I think in conjunction with game flow, the other thing that pops up is that they could not run the football. And it's something we talked about in the pregame show. I think that might have been your key to the game or Den's key to the game. I don't remember who. But, um, you know, like they don't run a lot of quarterback option or zone read anymore. And it really hampers the effectiveness of that group. I felt like last year they were almost unstoppable running the football. They were running the ball in a very unique kind of dominant way that was unprecedented, at least to my eye, you know, in the last probably decade of football in the NFL. And here, it's roughly the same group, roughly the same personnel, and they're not having the same effectiveness. And I think a, a big reason for that is not run the quarterback the same way. And so this is the result, you know, is you can't lean on the running game quite the same way. And you're forcing a young player who has some inconsistency issues when it comes to throwing the football and his accuracy. I think he's got some ability. You know, I, I don't think he's a total wash, you know, Desmond Ritter, but he's inconsistent. And that level of inconsistency and immaturity shows up in this game. And it, and it, really hampers their effectiveness like you talk about you know how stats will lie to you these stats lie to you because he as much as it feels like atlanta dominated this game at no point did i feel like they were in control at all right only if you look at the stat sheet do you think atlanta yeah. dominated this game if you watched it you're like nah atlanta like sure they technically were within one score um and god man doing atlanta radio this week if we were doing that whew, some of the decisions you're making from arthur smith in this one who's a good coach but it feels like he lost his mind um, and, and from everything from situational management to play calls to whatever. Um, but they just, they didn't control the game at all. And it never felt like they really had a shot. 
Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did. Um, one other thing you mentioned on the positive side for Washington is the physicality of the defensive line. Um, they have ultimately five sacks in the game. And I think between what they did in the run game and those five sacks, like you see, they looked a lot more like them. And I think one John Allen played a lot better, uh, and, and was noticeable, but also your boy, Casey Tuhill monster monster day FA's in there making plays like. I think the depth in the rotation, they got it right this week, really, for the first time. I'm curious once we see the snap counts, yeah. but it kind of it kind of allowed them to play with the effort that we've been looking for because they did rotate it more. Those guys were fresher. And um, even at the end of the game, like they're handsome hands on hips in that final drive. And you're like, oh, man, is this, is this are they finally going to wear out because they were on the field for damn near 80 plays by the end of it. Right. But as, as a total at that point, even if you're playing 60 plays like it's only three quarters. Um, but I do, I do feel like they got that more correct in this game than they have all season. No, I agree. And the results were there. No, I, and I agree. I think it's, yeah, the, the proof is in the pudding and I think you get good production from the backup guys. I, I James, I got, I got to get to watch it more. I thought James flashed at times with some good physicality. Um, you know, and like having those guys in is important. Like they're NFL players. And I think if you can get a rotation going and elevate, Montez and Chase and some of the other guys on that in that front it just helps everybody so um it'll be cool to kind of see those snap counts and see who was effective and who wasn't but I ultimately I think like that's the that they've kind of laid a roadmap moving forward now I will say that that defense is dominant or, or has a proclivity for being dominant against fronts that aren't very good or that are more on on par with them right so like I look at the Arizona game had a pretty good outing look at the uh, the Broncos game had a pretty good outing all of a sudden, the play calling of the Bills game kind of negates the effectiveness of that group. The the O line, the the dominant group of the O line uh, of the O line of Philly, again kind of negates their effectiveness. And then I just kind of throw the Chicago game out at this point because the game flow there and the just general lack of effectiveness from the defense was you know terrible. But looking at it, I think like this was a game that we kind of expected them to do well, and they did. And whether it's because of the rotation, whether it's because of the long break. Now the thing that gets me concerned is because they that do that group does get worn down is can you get them ready for next week? Like that if that's going to be a storyline moving forward is they played almost 80 snaps in this game. That's not an insignificant number of snaps. Can they get ready on a short week with a road trip? Not a short week, but a road trip week, get back in the flow and be ready to play um a tough football game that's on the road, I think, again. So Yeah, um, they're in New York. Lots so. of stuff that I think will be interesting to kind of keep an eye on this week with regards to that group and if they can kind of repeat this performance up in up in New York. So yeah, the good news is the trip back from Atlanta is pretty easy. Uh yep. trip, to, trip New to New York's obviously easy. 
super easy. So, um, you know, it's, it's definitely, you'd rather be at home, but, uh, can you get everybody back, uh, get going, get that rotation going? Um, I think FA obviously being back helps. Um, did Montez leave this game? Am I making that up? I, I don't know. Like he was out at some point. Maybe um, it was. I was trying to scroll back through some of the, uh, the, the notes. The reporters, uh, I know pain. Pain left briefly for a yeah, finger he had that issue. Finger thing. That was weird though. He like went down in the neutral zone, like at the goal line. I think he like, jumped off sides a... and tried to catch himself, and then probably just dislocated. Oh, the that's finger. what he did it. Yeah, I, I mean, that's awesome. what I'm assuming. I didn't see it, but that would be my assumption. So yeah. Um, speaking of some of the wacky stuff that happened, kind of late in that game, there's a delay of game. Actually, multiple delay of games um on atlanta and you're just like can you guys not get the call in like what is going on here and it like that was weird I, I feel like i need to ask this but like between that trying to run a slant to Bijan on the critical play of the game like how much of this is atlanta like giving you some gifts that you take advantage of like they still won it counts in the standings the same but like to me one of the players of the game for washington is arthur smith both sure. play caller arthur smith and head coach arthur smith yeah, I think the thing with Arthur Smith is like when you look at this offense, man, it is complex. They do a lot of stuff, a lot of different personnel, a lot of motions and shifts, a lot of kind of trickerations, a lot of multiple cadence things. And that takes time, a lot of cans. Like it, that offense is in for Desmond Ritter. Like there's no, it's not like, you know, dip your feet in the cold end or the, you know, the warm end of the pool and kind of walk your way in. Now that offense is 100% in. And I think, you know, everyone talks about maybe the simplicity or something I've rushed the simplicity of this offense, you know, EB's offense and how there's not a lot on Sam Howell's plate. I think it's kind of the reverse there. I think everything's on the plate and sometimes there's just too much to eat and too much to look at. And it really is hard for a young quarterback. I think you see that's one of the reasons you see the delay of game. Um, they, you know, on the interception, there's like they almost have another delay of game, like two plays in a row. Like that is that's they bad. one after a spike. Yeah, that's bad process, you know, and I think they're just there's too much. I would say I would say if I was advising Arthur Smith, just after watching this game from a thousand foot view, I would say there's too much in. You got to trim it down a little bit. I know there's a lot of stuff you like, a lot of stuff you feel really good about, but let's let's trim it back a little bit for the young guy. Let's get him really confident and comfortable with what's going on. And that's one of the things about San Fran's offense. You know, we're getting a, I digress a little bit here, but that's interesting is they have a lot of stuff in and they've got to a play caller who can handle it. And it, you see the difference in how that works and how that execution helps Brock Purdy. And again, credit to EB, this, this game plan's pretty straightforward. It has been for the whole year and you're getting a very productive Sam Howell. So um, I think that if I was going to say, you know, if I was doing Atlanta radio, I'd be like, man, that's, that helps the commanders out because of some of the, um, because of some of the procedural issues. And also like, you can tell there's times where it's just a His lot. His brain is fried. It's just a lot for Ritter. Like he's looking at stuff. He's checking stuff. He's getting to the like. It's just a lot, and um, it, I think it hurts. I think it hurts them in multiple situations in that game. And that's, I guess, that is on Arthur Smith because he's the OC. And you know, I've I've told you I've been a part of offenses where Kyle has come in on Monday uh, or coming on uh, Sunday or Monday after the, the game Tuesday when we watch film. There we go, and um, and he'd be like, uh, you know, we got too much in, and that's on me. And so maybe this is one where Arthur Smith kind of gets back to the drawing board and says, these are the things I love. These are the things we're good at and reevaluates. But that game, I, I do, I do agree. I think there was a, uh, there was, there was something going on there that again, Washington was able to take advantage of it, but and that's not a criticism of Washington. I think that's a of bonus because in those games that you're supposed to take advantage of those things, traditionally they haven't done that all the time. This is a good opportunity to kind of check that box, say we were better than this team. They weren't performing the way they should. 
we're going to have a dominant performance and get out of this thing with a win. So, yeah, uh, cleaning up the Montez sweat bit real quick. He did hurt his thumb during the game. Uh, injury apparently not thought to be severe. Um, so if he's out, Casey will start. Obviously, that would be a downgrade. Not the case. He's not really good, but he's not Montez sweat. Right. Otherwise, he'd be starting ahead of Montez sweat. All right. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about some of the things that make you go, oh, man. Like, and I don't want to be overly negative after a win like this should be good vibes this i'm doing my best right now after every other sporting event that i cared about today did not go the direction that i really wanted. the um, game didn't yeah. go well no Sorry, bud. no not That's good stuff. i don't want to talk about it i don't want to talk about uh the proper football or the basketball or anything else that i cared about today um we're going to talk Wait, about that's, this that's gonna... so tough you had three sporting events today and two and one, they one all three. yeah that's tough uh, but I do, I do think it would be a disservice to not talk about some of the key things. Um, this defense did give up 400 yards. Like, yeah, that's concerning. But we'll talk about, so again, this is maybe my offensive bias, but when I see that, I'm like, you can't run 18 plays or whatever it was in the second half of that football game. Might've been a little bit more. That was midway through the fourth quarter. I checked that stat, but I think 18 yeah. plays in the fourth quarter. And expect the defense to not give up a lot of yards. Like so that's, that's just, just more of a factor of the complimentary or lack of complimentary. Like football. hold the ball, man. Go on a six play drive, then punt. You know, let's get two. Yeah. Let's get this go. Let's go six plays. Possess the ball. Switch the field position. Let's do that kind of thing. And they just couldn't do it. Like I think they had. I want to say it was like two three and outs, almost back to back. Maybe a four and out, and then another three and out like come on man yeah That's they go tough. well even the touchdown drive uh is because they you know they got the early interception they take advantage sweet you're up 24 10 that's a two-play drive uh yeah. you get the ball back five play drive uh that goes a whopping 15 yards four plays three and out three and out kneel on the football end of game i mean that to me is just not good it, it, the offensively and i think eb would say the same thing like that's you need to be better in that situation. Like I'm just gonna like straight up. Like yeah, if you're if you're looking if you're looking if you're circling something, obviously the yardage total is one thing, but then the offensive just lack of being on the field is the other. And then it's funny. I don't know why this is. Again, I've said this a million times in games where the other team has a lot of turnovers, the defense is on the field a lot for whatever reason. I'm not really sure why that is. It doesn't make any sense to me. Shorter, but that's just shorter when, fields. Things yeah, like that. I, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably why. But that's just been my experience. Like. It's maybe a quick change for the offense. They're not as effective. Short fields, like you're saying, and the defense is on the field a ton. So I don't. I'd have to look that up analytically if that's something that holds true throughout the league. That's just been my experience. But yeah. I would say that that to me is the is the larger issue. Is the offense again looked very crisp and sharp in the first half, aided by a punt return. Second half aided by a short field on an interception. Great, great, great. But let's. If to be an elite team, like look at the Kansas City Chiefs when they got to have it, that offense isn't coming off the field. Like they are excellent at chewing clock, managing the game from an offensive perspective. And I think that's where I would say this, um, this, this outing from the commanders falls a little short. Not that anybody played poorly, you know, I, I think, I think that's an important thing to note too is like overall, I think if you were to go through and be like, that's pretty good, that's pretty good, that's pretty good. And you go down the list, but ultimately, like, there's a reason you're going three and out five and out in the second half. And I think when we have the all 22, we'll be able to touch on that a little bit more. Yeah. We'll be able to touch on it more. I mean, some of it, I do think that there are like EB just did not like EB had a good first half and I don't think he had a particularly good second half. And there's one tendency that he broke today that I appreciated a lot. And then there's one that is driving me bananas. Okay. Um, the one that he broke that I like is they had not like basically all year once run the ball on second and long. 
So you have an incompletion at second and 10. It's another pass coming. And we talked about this on the pod this week that, you know, while it's, it sounds good and easy to just say, well, Hey, well just run it. And Hey, if you're in a third and eight, that's better than, than third and 10 or third and 15 after a sack, because a lot of the sacks Sam has taken have been in those second and long situations. But you're like, well, what are the analytics here is like holding penalties and the frequency of those um, in those situations. And you, you wind up sometimes actually being in second and 20 um, because you have a hold at the line of scrimmage and, and you're screwed. But to me, it's more about just not being predictable. It can't be anytime Sam is a sitting duck. And these, so these two tendencies that I'm going to talk about play into each other. Anytime Sam is a sitting duck, that is when he has taken these sacks. He's not, he's taken them a lot in obvious passing situations. And so when you turn second and 10 into a non-obvious passing situation and you're willing to live with third and eight, especially when you have players like Terry McLaurin, like they converted yeah. a couple of those early in the game. And I, even like on the first drive, they converted two of them and um, they tried it actually three times. And one of them, unfortunately, there was a sack, I think on first down. So you wind up in a third and 14 and it's like, well, yeah, at that point you're kind of screwed, but they, they wind up with the field goal and, and Sam did a good job situationally there of, of just taking like eight yards and making it an easier field goal. But what's driving me nuts is I feel like on a lot of these third and longs, they are just sending vertical routes down the field and Sam doesn't have easy, quick outlets. And I would yeah. rather see a lot more use of some horizontal stuff, some check downs, like get Mesh. the ball out of his hands into playmakers hands and trust them to do something. And that is where he's taking so many of these sacks. And, it, and like there was one late in the game, even when you probably just should run the ball for clock management purposes. Right. And I could read EB's lips. He called all go special. Yeah. Like that's, what, why are you calling all go special there? So, I don't know. I'd have to look at the all 22. Yeah. Well, we'll obviously deeper dive on that, but that's where my I, early. Where I, would call all 20, where I would call all go special is in a situation where, a couple things, they're playing dropout coverage and you're trying to get the ball to the back. Kyle used to do that with us too in like third yep. long situations. You're calling all go special to get the coverage to carry. The back is in a one-on-one with the linebacker. Usually that's a pretty good football player, Gibson, B-Rob, whoever it is. Have them run kind of a choice option route, break across, check it down. Sometimes they're able to figure it out. That's one opportunity. If they're playing press man, I'll go special is another opportunity for that because you get Terry, Jahan in one-on-one situations with press corners. They can win. That ball can usually get up and down pretty quickly, and you can find a matchup that way. That's There are reasons to do that. Again, I'm, I've said this to you before. I'm not a big fan at any level of football, just running vertically into the defense. I just think that's a really yeah. hard throw. For the quarterback, unless you've got that elite chemistry with, um, you know, Julio or, you know, if you're Matt Ryan with Julio or Hopkins when I was in um, uh, Houston. Houston and he was there, like there's there's a chemistry and an understanding of what that player does. And the quarterback knows, OK, I give him the ball. And Terry has shown an ability to do that, but I don't know. It doesn't feel to me like Sam and him are like at that that elite connection level yet so i don't i don't love that call but i think there are reasons to call that call that are not just like hey we're running verts into the defense we're trying to get a good matchup for the back would be the be the one i would think of so right but like then the ball's got to get out to the back and like 100%. this is this is the thing with sam is he's getting better at it but the atlanta falcons had given or had five sacks as a d-line or as a, as a defense coming into the game they had five i think in the game yeah like, and i think that is yeah. that is not <laughs> This can't keep happening. And I look at it, and I, I don't want to say none of them, but at least four of them were on Sam. You know, he's like running into sacks, and you're kind of like, obviously the coverage 
could be there. It could be there's no place <laughs> like that classic. No place to go. Yeah. Yeah. Coverage shack scenario. Throw the ball away. That's what B. Mitch was advocating. You know, it's like, well, I kind of was defending Sam. I was like, there's nowhere to go with the ball. He's like, throw it away. And I think there's that's good advice, you know, from a guy who used to play quarterback and B. Mitch. So um, yeah. I think there's some of that. But that five sack number, I'm, I'm going to say four of them right now are on Sam. Just again, running into stuff, not take, not understanding the situation. And again, that could also be concept. That could also be like to your point, there's no flat control, there's no place to go with the ball. And that's going to lead to stuff like that. So, um, again, that's got to improve. And I think it's a systematic improvement. It's not like, obviously, the individual needs to improve. The play call needs to improve. The route running needs to improve. Again, and not that the offense, if, if there's one, been one bright spot from the year, it's the offense, right? But that that play call to help facilitate the action and the product you're looking for need to improve. And I think we're, we're all assuming that that's something that EB feels needs to get corrected. But maybe he feels like it's okay because of how productive the offense is. I don't know. That, that seems kind of silly to me, but maybe that's something that they're not prioritizing from a play call standpoint because they get some of these other more explosive, more productive plays called. So I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they did score 17 points in the first half. They did score 24 in the game. And, you know, think back to last year. That's like, wow. Yeah, wow. Look at cool. us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, one thing I did love today, you know, I'm, I'm, king uh let's go look at what minnesota does for jj or let's yeah. look at what cincinnati does for jamar chase um last week uh keenan allen had 20 targets for the los true? angeles chargers Jeez. yeah last week he had 20 targets i think he had 18 catches on 20 targets um and terry today has 11 targets in a game where they run 50 plays like yeah. that i'm here for that i do think we should probably take a deeper dive into Jahan dotson and what the hell's going on with him uh yeah. Obviously, he has a big drop today, but also he's just generally quiet. Um, so we'll we'll do that on the, the film review pod. We should also, for a positive, take take a look at what Evie is doing with Curtis Samuel. Um, something I said this offseason when they hired him is I thought Samuel would be one of the guys who benefited Benefits, most, yeah. if not the most, from Evie's presence. And he's got touchdown in three straight games. Yeah. And um, you know, the touchdown he had today, we did a breakdown on the postgame show. So if you're gonna go check that out, but it's like it's cover two, Tampa two. It's a good call. It's a chair concept or what I would call a chair concept from Kyle's offense. You get a vertical by the tight end in Tampa two. The mic drops with the vertical. Um, the hook player is over Curtis. He's got outside leverage. The the backside hook player is matching the back who's going opposite of the the in cut. There's a huge hole right there. Boom. Easy peasy. Bang. That's about as easy as it gets drawing that up. So Good for Curtis. And I don't know if there's anything special about utilization there. That's just calling a good play to beat the right coverage. So I yeah, think that's but he's, what a, he's like, a, I mean, people forget because of one, we talk about him so much as a gadget player and two, he's missed some time and was generally just like not involved in many games last year. He's a vet who knows how to run routes. Like yeah. he's got some quickness, some, some snap to him. And you know, that stuff that makes him effective as a ball carrier and um, why you want to get him in space is also something he can apply to route running. And so he does know how to uncover. He understands timing. Like he's a good, smart football player. And I'm enjoying seeing him getting the proper targeting, yeah. the proper usage and being a threat. Kind of experiencing a little bit of a renaissance. It's been nice. Yeah. And I think That's in a it. way that, that we didn't uh, expect, you know, I thought it would be a different, different type of expectation there from his production, but totally different. Another guy that I just want to shout out real quick is B Rob, man. Yeah. Love watching that guy play football. Yeah. You know, like yeah. in terms of a guy that I, I, I said this on a show, um, gosh, when was it? Probably a couple weeks ago. I said he might lead the team in all purpose yards and he might lead the team in touchdowns. 
And right now, I think he's got five. So I don't know who else is close to him, but he's having a heck of Curtis, a year. Curtis, actually. So. Yeah, does he have five also? Yeah. Uh, so. I don't think Curtis has five, but Curtis is close. Um, so he he's the guy that's closest. Um, you know, and uh, last but not least, um, you know, the O-line today, I think overall played pretty darn well. Yeah. Um, and obviously, from a performance standpoint, a special shout out to Cornelius Lucas, who came in and performed yeah. very well on short notice. Obviously, uh, a terrible reason why he is having to play today. Our absolute best to Charles Leno and his family on what they are going through right now. All right. Uh, I think that's it. I think, I think that's a podcast. Everything else feels like it needs to be looked at on film. So I we agree. will do that uh, later this week. Then of course we will get you ready for the game against the giants. Uh, major injury questions loom, not only Montez on, on the Washington side of it, but Daniel Jones missing this week. So will he be back? The commander's killer himself, Daniel Jones. Uh, so we'll take a look at all that later in the week. Make sure you're subscribed wherever you're watching or listening right now. YouTube, your favorite podcast app, wherever, it is that you consume the show and we will see you for the film review and a take five before that on tuesday here on take Command.